Welcome to another episode of How You Can Too with your host, your boy, Alvy Daniel Thompson Jr., a.k.a. Mr. You Can Too. I have an amazing part one episode for you all today. I'm joined by my, by my great friend and coach, Martin Gelspan. We have a great conversation around how important it is for people and men specifically to have a broader definition of success instead of simply thinking about financial and career success. And we go really deep and Martin shares his story about how his upbringing and his relationship with his dad has really allowed him to look in the mirror to see how he looks at his life and how he was conditioned to look at success and how his relationship with his wife has allowed him to expand his definition of success and how he works with himself overall. If you enjoy this episode, please, please, please share it with your family, friends, and loved ones. It would mean the world to me if you leave a five-star rating and a review of the show. And be on the lookout for part two of our conversation next week. I honor you. I appreciate you. And as always, you can too. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I appreciate you tapping in with me today. I have a very, very, very special guest in the building. One of my dear friends and somebody I'm so fortunate to be watching his journey from the outside and just seeing where he was three, four years ago to seeing exactly where he is now is super inspirational. I want to welcome you to the show, my great friend, Martin Gelspan. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Uh, and it's funny, I, I completely forgot that you had a podcast. So when I put it out on a story and you reached out, I was like, let's go. I'm super excited. So oh, thank heck you for yeah. No, my pleasure, man. I appreciate you having I appreciate you coming on. And for those of you that don't know Martin, he is the founder slash co-founder of the Gelspan Method. Would that be fair to say? Uh-huh. Did I pronounce it right? Okay. I didn't spell it right. Yeah, the B is silent for anyone out there wondering. <laughs> I love it. The Gelspan Method, where just it's everything. It's an umbrella of just like health wellness uh and even like the the ads that we're doing for for ugc creation so i love that i love that and i know you're working right now as a personal coach that's focusing on fitness and ultimately helping people live a fulfilling life i'm curious how do you define a fulfilling life um as far as like living a more fulfilled life it's understanding what is your why Right? Like, why do you do everything that you do? And I think that's the most important aspect of being able to live a more fulfilled life. Because if you're not sure why you do certain things, you're just aimlessly living through life. And especially as a man, right? What we're focusing on all the time is success, success, success. And the only way that we see success is money, money, money. Uh, when there's so many different aspects of success. Absolutely. Right. There's financial success, which is what everybody thinks success is, if you ask like 99% of the population. But then there's career success, which is do you enjoy what you do every single day, which is what allows you to make money. Amen. Fa family success. Do you have 
a normal functioning family or whatever, a family that makes you happy and do you make your family happy? Absolutely. Relationship success, what are your relationships with other humans, uh, with your significant other? There's health success, there's inner success, there's so many types of success and I think if you're able to, I don't know if master all of them, but at least be at a point where you're content and you understand why you do things that you do, I think that's what's gonna help you live a more fulfilled life. I love that. It makes a lot of sense and it resonates with me because when I think about the work that I've been doing for years now, it's very similar to that. And it's been helping people understand that fulfillment or success, to your point, is a lot deeper than simply how much money are you making? Which again, I will never badmouth making money because I think making money opens up a lot of doors and a lot of opportunities. However, I think that it's only one piece of the puzzle. And to your point, it's the piece that most men specifically focus on and basically look at and try to calculate in order to see how well that they're doing in life. But the fallacy of that is, and I see it time and time again, people sacrificing, especially men, sacrificing their family time, their health, the leisure activities they love, their friends, in order to chase the financial success. And then once they have that financial success and they're older, now they're spending the money that they made in the financial success to try to now recuperate their their health or to try to build a better bond with their family or take more time for themselves. And a lot of my work and my philosophy is like, hey, you don't have to wait to do one first and then the other. You can actually be, to your point, working on both simultaneously. So I think that's super important. And I would wonder, if, yeah, go ahead. Well, and I was gonna ask you because you're starting to see that now. I know you started more in the fitness side of things, similar to me when I started my career, I was on the fitness and sports performance side. And I'm curious to how your why has grown to be more than just the fitness aspect of health. So first of all, you've always been a very, you know, you've been very inspiring, I guess, to me uh, with how, the, the, how you've evolved over the years too. Cause you've, again, you also started as like a, a personal fitness coach and then you just skyrocketed to a life coach and you've been helping a lot of people you know really change their lives so you've been a great inspiration to me first off Appreciate it. but I guess how I made that change um, I think I just think I like I started paying more attention to my surroundings uh, how I actually felt when I did certain things and not how I wanted other people to perceive me and then you know meeting certain people that also allow you to kind of like wake up and getting to a higher consciousness, which, you know, I definitely have to give thanks to, to Kate, my wife, mm -hmm. because she helped me realize how important it is to be in touch with your emotions, you know, not just be this, because the first day I met her, I mean, look, we were very open and we had a very open communication. We were very honest with each other, uh, but I was just like, I'm a robot. You know, I don't really have too much emotions and this and that, and it's just not real, it's not true. Right. I'm super emotional, I'm super sensitive, uh, and this is something that I knew about myself when I was a kid, mm -hmm. right? And then as I started getting older and you start to get like molded by society and other men and how they act and the things that you see and you start to kind of like change yourself, you start to become, you start to build like a shelf, a shelf, uh, a shell, Right. right? 
And, you know, that's when I started doing my hair and, you know, the line and the eyebrow and all these things to make yourself look, I guess, less soft or less sensitive or less emotional. And, um, yeah, I just started realizing that my, my happiness was more important. Not being stressed was more important. Uh, I was always stressed out, always stressed out. If I was going on a vacation, I was just like, no, 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 I need to be working. What am I doing right now? Why am I not working? Why am I not doing something to... And it was always about work. It was always about work. It's always about money. And it's just like not... It's not it. You know, there's days where you can slow down. There's weeks where you can slow down. You know? And, Absolutely. And, and, and those days where you slow down, those weeks where you slow down will allow, will allow you to propel forward when you are in a better mindset mm. and, and ready to, you know, take on all the things that you need to do. Amen. Amen. And I love what you said there, too, because I think as men, we're taught this go, go, go mentality, right? And it's, it's like that for women, too, for many women. But I think in my experience, it's kind of this idea that we're supposed to be almost like machines and we're supposed to just go and go and go. But what happens? We hit a certain point and we either burn out or we blow up or something happens to us that forces us to slow down and really stop in our tracks when in reality we could sustain different types of success throughout our life if we actually took time to rest took time to recover right yeah so rest comes in the form of taking a nap uh taking a few days off from work taking a vacation but think about this there's men that put so much importance on financial success or just money in general and they achieve it and then when they lose it, what happens? A lot of times. Lose their sense of self. Or they off themselves. Right. So talk about taking a break. You should have taken a break. You should have taken a step back and understand why you're doing certain things. How important is this for your health and for your family and for the relationships around you? Like, why are you doing this? Right. Because now you're not here anymore. And not only is there not any more money because <laughs> you probably lost it and that's why you did what you did. But now the people around you get to suffer so much more. Right. And they have the rest of their lives ahead of them. So, yeah, I mean, if you put so much importance into money, like, I've, honestly, I've, I've seen my father struggle through it mm-hmm. a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. He was extremely affected because he, when he was, he comes, we, he comes from an affluent family, right? His mm-hmm. dad was, my grandpa was a doctor. He was a very good doctor in Argentina, very sought out. You know, he helped a lot of people. Uh, so my dad never really struggled when he was young. And then, you know, 27, 28, 29, he started a cable company. And in a matter of four years with two of his friends, they sold it for $15 million when he was like, I think it was 31 years old. I was like two, three years old, you know? And then from, this is 94, 1994. So they, him and his friends, they had the nicest cars in Cordoba in Argentina. Uh, They would import them, you know, building houses, you know, they had a radio station, they would finance, you know, stuff for people. So started doing really well and there was a point in his life where for like 10 years he didn't make any money mm. and that affected his relationship with absolutely everybody mm. especially show up yeah especially with my mom so you know he'd be trying to work on all these projects my dad's a very smart man i do think he's very paralyzed by fear mm. um and that stopped him a lot of different times but also i think he might have been too early uh, for a lot of the things that he came up with. I'm not going to like bore you with all that, but he did come up with a few ideas, like being able to send money through text, mm. like Venmo. <laughs> right. but, this, but this was like 15, 16 years ago. Mm. So sometimes he got a little bit too early to the party, um, and he would exit out 
too early. So whatever. So for that time being, he didn't make any money. And, you know, his relationship with my mom really suffered. And it's not his fault to save my mom, obviously. Uh, but during that time, we were all kind of like growing up and moving out of the house. And, you know, my mom is living with somebody that doesn't want to talk to her. Mm. Uh, disregards her every time she wants to talk about something when she wants to talk about how he's feeling because, you know, she obviously sees him struggling and she wants to help him because that's, right. you know, the love of her life. Of course. He's just like, you know, I don't want to talk right now. I don't mm. want to talk. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk. So my mom went through a depressive state. Mm. And it was just like a cycle of like, and this is just because you put so much importance on money because if you would have taken a step back, he would have realized that he has a really healthy family. Mm. He has three kids that are self-sufficient and don't need his money. And I understand that he helped us a lot, so I, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from him. He's right. always given us anything he has, like clothes off his back, and he's always given us more than we've actually needed. Right. Uh, so, so I do, I'm very grateful for my dad and everything he's done, mm -hmm. uh, but I do think he should have taken a step back and realized how abundant he really is in life. Right, right. Even if money is not there as much as it was before. Mm, it's so fascinating, because I can only imagine just what it was like for him because he was so singularly focused on being able to make money and support the family, which in a lot of cultures, that's the quote unquote number one thing that a man is supposed to do. And it's just so fascinating that as you and your family members were growing up and leaving the house and now it was just him and your mom, it was almost like he just, he just didn't know what to do, even with himself on like, how to express things, how to talk things out. And I'm curious, how do you think his, how you saw him in relationship to money, the family, your mom, how do you think that impacted you growing up and how you thought you were supposed to be in life? Oh, yeah, I mean, th that's what made me think that, you know, I'm a machine and, you know, that I don't have any emotions and you don't talk about things. You don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk about emotions. I was never given a platform specifically by my dad to be able to talk about things that I'm feeling. Um, and as a matter of fact, yeah, I've, I've always gone, let me, let me try to explain it. Again, my dad has always been extremely present. Mm -hmm. You know, I played basketball my whole life. This yep. man never missed a basketball game. And if he did, it, it's for something very, very important, but missed no basketball games. He was there at all my tournaments. So if he had to travel, he would travel with me. Bro, he would show up to practices. Mm -hmm. You know, he was very present. It's not that he wasn't, um, but he's also very much like an analytical mind. Mm -hmm. And I do think that when people are like, oh, I'm just an analytical, I'm very logical, you know, I don't, it's, it's because you're trying to like uh, convince yourself that you're that because every human is an emotional being. Of course. I think every decision that we make in life is emotional and then we try to make you're right, we try to be logical about it afterwards, but it's always an emotional decision every single time. I agree. Um, but anyway, you know, my, my dad, you know, if, if I played a game and I dropped 30 points, you should, to your son, you'd be like, wow, good job, son. He would be like, oh, yeah, but you missed eight free throws. Uh, you know, I'm coming home with a 96 on the test. He's like, where are the other four points? Mm. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, him actually telling me that I'm doing a bad job, but he never told me that I'm doing a good job. So I never really got like the good jobs on the acceptance. So I'm always, mm. I've, I'm always looking for that uh, f from like, from external factors. I'm looking for, so I, I realized the other day I was in, in hot yoga. We've been doing mm. hot yoga like three times a week. Nice. And you know, whenever you sit in your 
Shavasana, I think it's called, right? Uh -huh. You're, you're At laying the very down end. Yeah. and you're doing your little meditation. I go into like very deep meditations almost every single time. And I realized I'm like, I'm always looking for validation from external factors, mm. specific, specifically from authoritative figures. So if right. I'm in a yoga class, if I'm playing basketball, whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm always looking for somebody to tell me that I'm doing a good job. I feel that. Do you know what I mean? And it's not, it, and you start to ask, you're like, why? Why is that? Like, there's, there has to be a specific reason. And when I start to look back at, you know, how I was raised and what my relationship was like with my dad, he was never able to give me a, like a pat on the back. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's changed. He's been doing that a lot lately. And I think, I think my relationship with Kate has helped a lot because he's seen a softer side of me mm. that he had never seen before. Um, I think he's paying a lot more attention on how I treat my mom. Okay. You know, which to me is, you know, the love of my life. And Absolutely. one of the things that I realized too that made me kind of like switch out of how I used to treat women. And I don't think I ever used to treat women incorrectly. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did a lot of the things that you do just unconsciously, like gaslighting and, you know, all those things that you do as a man and, you know, tell a girl that she's nagging when she wants to talk about something that happened. Right. Um, you know, but I, I, I realized when I was paying attention to the way that my dad is treating my mom. And again, there's no hitting, there's no physical, there's no like, but there's a lot of like mental damage that you're doing when you're not there, when you're not present for, for the person right. that you have in front of you. Right. Uh, and, and when I realized that I was doing the same thing to my ex-girlfriend that my dad was doing to my mom, mm. and I'm very connected to my mom, so my mom doesn't have to say anything. I can just look at her and be like, okay, she's feeling this, she's missing this. You know, one day I went to my parents' house because my mom wasn't feeling good, and I sat down next to her and I started rubbing her back. And I realized, I was like, damn, it's been a while since she's been touched like this. Mm, right. You know what I mean? And I was like, fuck, so like, I want to be able to do this for the woman that I'm with because I want to make her as happy as I think my mom should be. Mm, I feel that. Uh, so there's a lot of ways that my dad not necessarily has raised me or like, you know, did anything wrong, but it's just like starting to pay attention. And I've just kind of tried to do the opposite. I hear that. How it made me feel. And no, I feel that, man. And it resonates a lot with me because... Very similar to you, what I think we both have in common is how we saw our dads doing things a certain way or not doing things a certain way. And we realized, at least speaking in my situation, I heard this and when you were speaking, it's like, that's not what I want to do because I see how it's impacting my mom, right? So, so now the come from is almost the opposite. And man, I think it's fascinating how you are able to go through your life and have this revelation of like, oh shit, I'm actually right now doing the same thing my dad has done. And before you knew it, a lot of that stuff was just happening subconsciously. You weren't intentionally doing it, but it's just, you've probably seen it so much and it was so quote unquote regular that without even noticing it, you know, your subconscious mind is always paying attention and started gravitating towards those things and started doing those things. And I think for all the listeners right now, I, you know, I think the, the relationships that we have with our parents are absolutely sacred, right? Extremely sacred. And, and you know me and everyone that's listened to the podcast and my story knows how much of my growth came from the explosive relationship my mom had the last few years she was alive. And then when she passed away, it really had me change. And because of where our relationship was, 
that's what had me really change the way I showed up for myself and for others. And same thing with you, how you would always look for that external validation because you weren't really getting it from your dad, right? It was always looking from the, what I'll call the, not the, no, we'll call it the negative aspect or the, like, what was missing part. It's like, hey, you got a 96, but where were the other four po uh, points of the test at? Or, hey, you, you dropped 30, but you missed eight free throws. It could have been 38 points. And same thing, man. Like, my mom was very much the type of person who would need, like, a thank you from somebody else or want someone to tell her, like, man, like, wow, Vicky, you helped me so much. And with that, that would give her joy. And I think in reality, when we, whenever we do our version of that, that external validation seeking, it has us have a hole inside of us that we're hoping someone else can fill. When in reality, it, at least in, in my opinion, it's our job to be able to fill that hole. And I think with you and I, we, we've both been able to fill that hole with the why, you know what I'm saying? The why that we have. And I'm curious for you, what do you see in your upbringing, in your relationship with your dad, your relationship with your mom, now your relationship with Kate, how has your why changed? What is your why now? And how does that show up? And how does that express through the work that you do and how you carry yourself? So to be absolutely honest, I don't think I had a why for a very long time. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think as a why, I just had, I'm a man, I'm supposed to provide, I'm supposed to be strong, uh, and I don't mean strong like physically, but also physically. Uh, but you know, you're not supposed to really talk about your 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 feelings about the things that you. So it's just, you know, you have a tunnel vision of just trying to become successful financially, and that was my only why. Which one of the reasons why I got into real estate? I didn't get into real estate because I loved it and I wanted to go show properties. Mm -hmm. I convinced myself that I wanted to. Mm. I sure as hell did. I was like, dude, I love homes. They're beautiful. I never took the time to learn anything about, like, uh, I guess, construction aspects of houses where I'm able to really explain to a client. You know, I did take the time to understand the business aspect of it and, and how people would, I guess, um, uh, benefit from you know, uh, investing in real estate and having portfolios and stuff like that. But anyway, my, my why really came when I kind of just like woke up and realized that I want to enjoy every single day of my life. Mm -hmm. I want to be of service to other people. I really enjoy making other people happy. I, I enjoy bringing joy to other people and that's why I think empathy is the answer if you can really start to understand why people do the things that they do, mm -hmm. why they act the way that they act, and also take a step back and not take anything personal. It's huge. You can start to have better relationships with people. A hundred percent because, you know, my dad is one of those people that I'm very empathetic towards. There was a point in time where I was angry and I was like, why did he do these things? Why doesn't he do that? Why couldn't he be stronger during the times where he was going through, you know, financial struggles? But it's like, why don't you take a step back and think about why, right? That's always the yeah. why. It always comes back to that why. Why was he acting like that? Why did he have such a hard time with it? And, and I understand it. Now, I think he could have done a better job. Absolutely. But at the same time, maybe he didn't have the means. He didn't have the tools. Right. And, I, and I do now. 
right? Mm. And I'm always growing and looking for more tools to be able to get to, to a point of enlightenment. Uh, and now I do think that it is my job to help other people get there. And, that's that. my, and that is my why. And one of the things that I'd love to be able to do is do something like this with my dad. Mm. But that's hard as shit. Yeah. For you, for you, what do you find is the, the hardest aspects of it? I think the hardest aspect of that is, is I think putting my dad in a box mm-hmm. of how I know he's been his whole life mm. and how I know he's been with my mom his whole life. Um, and I'll give you a very prime example. His sister was killed when she was 16 years old. No, when she was 18 years old, he was 16 years old. Jeez. Living in Argentina in a communist era, uh, it was 1978. Uh, there were 30,000 Argentinian citizens that were just like killed and disappeared. Jeez. They were called the disappeared. Oh my goodness. So the government was just like, if you were talking out against the government, speaking out against the government, you're out. Um, so my parents have been together since they were 14 and 15 years old. Okay. Yeah. A year or two years later, this happens to her and they've been together ever since. And I had a conversation with my mom two years ago. My dad has never spoken to my mom about how he felt about that. Wow. Never. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. I mean, it's, it's so tough because to your point, I think what happens a lot with men, you know, we're taught to keep it all in, right? Compartmentalize it ourselves, right? Don't showing emotion is weak, right? Don't get these things, you know, off of your chest. And these are the types of things that I truly believe slowly kills us from the inside out. And and at the same time, man, when it comes to coaching family, I think that is one of the hardest things that there are. And I personally decided that I don't do that because and, and the reason why I did I decided that for me is because I saw how hard it was for me, to your point, not to put my mom in a box. And when I say put in put her in a box, it's like take all of my say 26 years of living and all of my experiences with her and now try to bring all of that to the forefront now of like oh well that means that you're this type of person and you're only going to do these things and only these types of things work right which is unfair i'm sorry to cut you off but now think about this imagine the box that you were put in by your mom if you were to try to help her out because you're her baby Right. You've gone through all these things. You've misbehaved. You, whatever it is that you've done throughout your life, uh-huh. right? And now she's like, and you're going to tell me. So that's what happens, right? There's a lot of anger uh, that comes from our parents when we try to help them out. They're right. like, it's, it's kind of like, who do you think you are trying to tell me mm-hmm. that I'm doing something wrong? As opposed to understanding that maybe, we're try- that maybe we're trying to help. Right. No, it's fascinating. And it's a great point that you make. And something that I've realized that's so important, especially in the coaching world, and I'm sure you're going to learn more and more about this as you keep going in your journey, is that I realized I can't help somebody who doesn't want my help. And that's what I think is hardest with family because, you know, I mean, I love my family so much, right? And it's like I love them so much that I'll have so much passion that I can actually turn into anger when I see or I perceive that they're self-destructing. And even even today, it's like, you know, I have my brother, he's seven years older than me, and he has a lot of the same tendencies as my mom. And I would say some even for the worse, right? And I've worked to help him many times, 
but I've realized like oh, over a certain amount of time, if he's not willing to listen or do the things and, you know, I, I can't be attached to whether he wants to do them or not. It really has nothing to do with me. Right. I, to your point, I do my best not to take it personal, but I've realized that, you know, sometimes the message just can't come from me because they're not going to be able to receive it that way. And man, I see it a lot of times in coaching where a person will be so attached to their client's results where at the end of the day, like the client goes out to get the results. We're just the guide. We're not their hero. We're not here to save them, but we are here to guide them. But again, that person has to want to be guided. And I'll just say too, when it comes to that family dynamic, it's such a slippery slope because to your point, there's so much just history experience right baggage and not baggage necessarily in a bad way just there's just a ton of luggage that comes with it because we we've been with each other for so long so yeah I, I find it very interesting when you know that dynamic of trying to coach a loved one especially a, a parent right where they've raised us right they've seen us they freaking used to wipe our butt and now you want to tell me about life you know what i'm saying so i think it's commendable but I, I'm curious is how that's been for you just so far, like just how you think about trying to have these kinds of conversations with your dad and what his openness level is to it. Uh, you know, I, I have in, in, in several, you know, I guess chances that I've had to speak with him, but it's never been, it can never get to such a deep state because it, he, he'll stop it. Like he, he won't allow me to go deep with him. Right. You know, so I'll always try to start with like a very simple question because that's kind of how you can start a conversation. You can't just like, right. you know, just throw the hardest question out there because they're going to be like, why are you asking me this? Right. Mm -hmm. So I've asked questions where I know he struggled in the past. Like, um, like I know, I, I know specific stories when, you know, when we first got here, he had to do a lot of, um, there's a lot of bullshit with. Uh, lawyers uh, mm -hmm. to try to get us the citizenship here right you know and it cost him a lot of money cost him a lot of stress it, it was just a lot for him so I've tried to kind of ask him you know how was that process for you just to kind of like eventually get into like the emotional aspect of everything mm -hmm. uh, but it's just always very superficial so I've had a very hard time I have not been successful mm -hmm. in any way shape or form so I, I do understand what you're saying and I kind of agree with you and maybe it's gonna get to the point where I am sitting in there in your chair and I'm saying the same thing where I've decided to just kind of let it go. Uh, but it is hard when you're first coming into that enlightenment of yourself and awakening and consciousness and you're looking at your family going through this just like sleepwalking state and you kind of just want to get them out of it. You know Hell yeah. I mean? You want to shake their asses up real quick, man. Yeah, right. But, but it is tough. Yeah, it can be. And, and something that I've learned just in my time, it's like, and that's why I love what you said in terms of your dad seeing how you are with Kate and being able to be just more open, more your true self, right? Be very lovable and fun and all of that is, man, I think it's just so important for us to simply lead by example, right? Yeah, it's like we live our life in such a way that it shows other people, including our family members, like, hey, this is also available to you, right? That's what my whole my whole you can too philosophy is, right? Being able to see someone else doing it and being like, hey, if he or she can do it or if I can do it, you can too. And man, the example is powerful. It's super, super powerful. And I can only imagine over time as you continue to walk your path, 
live by example and do all these things, there very well could be a time when your dad is open to having these conversations. And maybe if it never gets to the point where he wants to do them with you, he might come to you and be like, hey, like, who else do you know that maybe doesn't know anything about me that I could just talk these things out through or with, right? So just something to just keep in mind as you're just living by example. Yeah, no, but like, I was when you were talking before, I had this in my mind and then I forgot. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the biggest and easiest way for me to get to my dad is, like you said, leading by example. Um, and even if it's just his relationship getting better with my mom by seeing my relationship with Kate, and I have seen you know a few changes here and there without me even talking about it. Um, but I, there have been instances where I've kind of like put my foot down so he can realize what he's doing because sometimes he does things unconsciously. Mm. Um, and, and I'll give you an example. But I, I remember one time we were in Shabbat dinner with my whole family and Kate and I were on one end and my dad, my mom and my niece were on the other end. And every single time, you know, we're doing the prayers at the beginning, you know, Kate and I are holding each other. I'm kissing her, whatever it is. Um, and my mom has my niece you know, she's holding her up. Mm-hmm. And my niece is watching us, like just, you know, embracing each other. And she grabs my dad <laughs> close to my mom and kind of makes them mm. hug it out. Uh, so 100% leading by example is just like the most, uh, I guess, it's, it's the most productive way, I guess, in which you can, you can help somebody. Uh, because like you said, you know, if, if anybody, if somebody else can do it, I can do it too. 100%. You know, and maybe my dad was never gave, given the opportunity to be open to, because maybe his dad always kind of like shut it down or never offered him a platform for him to right. just kind of be his soft self. Because I know my dad's like silly, he's soft, he's like mm-hmm. sensitive, but he just doesn't show it ever. Right. Uh, but I have seen him get better, especially with grandkids. I think grandkids uh, like really softened him up. I believe it. I believe it. And it's a great point that you make, man. It's like, our, our parents, our loved ones, like the generation above us, it's like they just, they, they live their lives too. You know what I'm saying? And they had all of their experiences and their traumas and all the things that happened. And there's probably a pivotal time in their life where they acted a certain way and then they got reprimanded for it, right? And it might be one of those things that if not consciously, still subconsciously, it stuck with them for the rest of their life and literally shaped how they interact with everyone else. And something that I'm a firm believer in is that people don't know what they don't know, right? And that's what this the subconscious, the sleepwalking is really about. It's like people are going out there just doing all of these things without even realizing that they're doing them and that it's having a negative impact in their life, in their loved one's life, their friend's life, anyone around them. So I think it's really great that you're able to, one, lead by example, and then two, have a good enough relationship with him where you can actually point some things out from time to time. It doesn't mean that you're telling them like, hey, you got to change this, you got to change that. But it's that awareness piece. Just just show, just, just bringing the mirror up and letting, letting them look in the mirror and see like, oh, okay, I see what I'm doing there. Yeah. And, and what's also very interesting is in my family dynamic, both of my sisters are they're social workers, but they're psychologists. Like they understand psychology very well. Um, but I think the, I think just like growing up in our family dynamic, they also never challenged my dad in any way, shape, or form. Mm. You know, and and I do think that the, 
the emotional attachment that I have to my mom has helped me kind of like realize the things that he did to my mom and my mm. sisters kind of just like look past it. Uh, but even in instances where he does like something to me, let's just say, and not like he, he's not a bad person. He's not doing anything, uh, but he'll do little things and I'll stop him and I'll be like, yo, why do you do this? Or why do you, is it because X, Y, Z? And like, I can see that my sisters or my mom, they're just like, whoa, like, why are you doing this? Why are you mm -hmm. challenging your dad? And I can see that my dad gets angry. And then, you know, I look stupid, right? To the rest <laughs> of my family. And then I'm just like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to shut up. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've tried many instances, but it, it is tough. But again, I, like, I, like I said, I think as he's getting older, he's getting softer. He's kind of just like dropping that armor that he's built over the years. And, and maybe he'll get to the point where he can talk a little bit more. And honestly, the fact that I do these things and I talk about them, I'm, I, sometimes I feel bad. I'm just like, damn, I'm just putting out his business like that. Uh, but I do it in hopes that obviously talking about it is therapy for me. Mm -hmm. So obviously it helps me. Uh, but in hopes that maybe, you know, I do put something up and he hears it and maybe that sparks a conversation, even if it's anger on his hand, you know, mm. if he comes to me, he's like, why did you do that? Okay, there we go. Let's have this conversation. I would love to, mm, right. you know, game time. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's one of those things too, where it's like at the end of the day, you know, how we go about sharing experiences is I think what makes us extremely human. Right. And who knows? I mean, if that's the thing that gets your dad to, to open up and have a conversation, I mean, at the end of the day, it would be a beautiful thing. And even if we don't have the conversation, but he has some sort of like realization by listening to it and he's just like actually goes inward and he's like, OK, well, maybe he's right. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't even need him to tell me that I'm right. But for him to just kind of like internalize it and be able to kind of like make adjustments on his own, I think would be a beautiful thing, too. Absolutely. Amen to that, man. And uh, let's put that energy out there that he'll be able to have that conversation with you because, man, something that I, I meditate on so often, it's like, I wish I could have these types of conversations with my mom with a level of love and peace and compassion and understanding and knowing that, you know, physically in this realm, I'll never have that conversation. But at the same time, it's like, I bring that to all the conversations that I have with others now. And then same thing, whenever I feel myself get triggered or super upset, that's my cue to go inside of myself and see like, all right, what's going on here? Like what type of, you know, micro trauma is this reminding me of, or what type of situation is this reminding me of? And now this is my chance to better myself in the moment with this conversation, as opposed to just going back to these old ways that I told myself like, Hey, I'm leaving behind me for a reason. And they're gonna and they're gonna come up, right? Because I'm a human being and it is what it is. But yeah, just always wanting to put my best foot forward. I think is so important when it comes to that. Yeah, but just like you said, you know, those things the they're gonna come up, right? Like sometimes, like thoughts or feelings or emotions or you know your need to like act on certain things. They'll they're they're gonna they're gonna keep coming up. You're never gonna be like purified, I guess, or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, right? You're never going to be uh, free of fault or, or bad thoughts or anything. Uh, but I do think what happens is when you become extremely conscious of your actions and why you do certain things, you start to minimize reactions and also how long you dwell in negativity, which is, right. I think, one of the biggest things that we deal with as humans. Like, it's that, like... Uh, I think it comes from anxiety or stress, you know, where we're going through something and we think a negative thought and then you just spiral. 
and you yeah. just keep spiraling out into negative thoughts and s- some people will live like that their entire lives 100 percent. they literally cannot get out of it yeah then there's people that will be in it for months and that's a depressive state and you know if you can learn to get to the point where maybe it takes you a day or it takes you half a day or it takes you a few hours to get out of it i think that's a huge win and 100%. that for me like that's something that i noticed in my grandpa and my grandpa used to see the way he he would get so upset by the smallest things mm-hmm. but i'm talking about my my grandma misplaced the belt and it would just ruin his day <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. that just goes to show that he can go through you know that much struggle besides what happened to his daughter which was absolutely huge and i think maybe that's one of the reasons why he was so like bitter and upset his whole life yeah it's possible imagine losing your daughter when she's 18 years old it can't be easy Mm -hmm. uh but still what i saw as a kid was you know how upset he would get and how long it would take him to get out of it and i've realized that i do that shit Mm -hmm. you know and i've learned to get out of it faster but when i'm in that state I, especially with Kate, it, we have that conversation where I'm just like, hey, listen, like I'm in this state right now and you can help me get out of it or we can do all these things, but it might be hard for me. Mm-hmm. And, and also that helps a lot with, it's just that vulnerability of being able to talk about what you're going through in that moment in your head so that the people around you are not affected. Because right. I can just shut up, I can stay quiet and I can just go very deep in and I'm in this negative spiral of thoughts and then... I'm mistreating her because mm. she just wants to talk. And in my head, I'm just like, I don't want to. Mm. But if you're able to communicate that, that's why I think vulnerability is so important. Absolutely. That's why I think empathy is so important because you can be like, okay, well, how is she going to feel if I don't talk about it? Mm. You know? Absolutely. Um, man, communication is so important. Yeah. No, the communication is key to your point. If I'm quiet and I and I realize this in my in my relationship with Alejandra, it's like if I'm quiet now, I'm giving her the opportunity to run a bunch of stories in her head around why I'm quiet. Where in reality, like she might be right, but more likely than not, it she's taking it to the nth degree and it has nothing to do with what she's thinking about. And and I had to learn for myself that if I need a moment to simply tell her and communicate like, Hey, I need a moment and just, you know, I'm, I'm a be by myself. Give me an hour, give me 30 minutes, give me whatever it is. And then I'll be ready to talk it out. Or maybe I'll be ready to talk it out in that moment. But you know, what I used to do is like, I used to just same thing, just go right within. Like, I'm not trying to talk to nobody. I'm not trying to even display any type of emotion on my face. I'm just super quiet by myself and that was it. And I realized very quickly that that left the door open for her or for anyone I'm having this this type of interaction with to create all these stories and narratives around why that is. And now that creates insecurity, that creates distrust and just all these other things that are not healthy to the relationships. And to your point, that vulnerability is so important. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode with Martine and I. We'll be back next week to discuss part two of this amazing conversation. I honor you. I appreciate you. And as always, you can too.